Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, this is Private Petros Pat Silvers, and this is the Caged In Podcast. This week is episode 35, where I'll be talking about wind talkers. Um, I should probably explain the noise in the background. I don't know what happened. I woke up hungover after the last episode, the bonus episode, where I was joined with by uh, tonight with Bob and Joe, and we watched Face Off. We got super drunk, and next thing I knew, I woke up and I had somehow joined the army. So, um,. Here I am, but I've managed to uh, sneak in a DVD player and a copy of the 2002 film Wind Talkers so I can record this episode for you. Um, it's all popping off a bit at the moment. Uh, two seconds. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, sorry about that. A, a bomb just went overhead. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and do my best to uh, watch this from a bit of silence and uh, deliver an episode for you. Uh, um, if you have the time, um, please go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, it really helps out the podcast, especially in these uh, turbulent times I'm in right now. Uh, you can always check out the website as well, which is www.cagedinpodcast.com. Um, and to the anagram we have for this week which is always is provided by thomas underscore w underscore hunter on twitter and what he has provided for wind talkers is d-list wanker uh, which i think might be one of the best anagrams we have had so far maybe that will say something about this film or about what people think of nicholas cage In general, I know he has almost become a a meme in in himself, so uh, a lot of people do think he is a D-list wanker. I think otherwise. I kind of enjoy the work of Nicolas Cage over this journey. I've grown to love him, and I feel like my passion for him will only grow as this podcast goes on. Who knows? He may let me down massively, but time will only tell. But let's get into Wind Talkers. And get raging with Cage up! Oh, when talker, you got the best of me. I got a something, something, no catastrophe. Oh, wow. Oh, hello. No, Wind Talkers does not feature Mariah Carey's smash hit single from 1999. But 
it does star Nicolas Cage. And obviously, on Cage, then, that is what here... Well, that is what we here are to talk about. Uh, words are escaping me. This is what this journey is doing to my mind. Words just go in my mouth. Um, this is the second time we've had a run-in with director John Woo, who also directed 1998's Face Off, which, if you have been listening, was last week's bonus episode, was a little alternate commentary to that so that was some fun stuff but on to this so before you get on to what i thought about the film obviously throughout the film you'll probably gauge whilst i talk about what the fuck happens so this film opens the credits rolling over like a kind of native american canyon and it's kind of like there is yeah that's the music that's going on uh that was a very uh probably socially and racially inappropriate impression but i've done it now and uh (laughs) that is what you get you kind of get these native american wailing and you get these native americans like saying goodbye to their families and getting on a bus and then we cut to war torn shit is popping off it's the solomon islands 1943 so this film just like captain corelli's mandolin we see nicholas cage back in world war ii this time a much different story there's no love story going on or is there we will find out guys um there's like blood in the water there's a dead soldier and cage is mowing motherfuckers down it's like some straight up rambo killing motherfuckers dead it's cool as shit one thing i will say about this film the action scenes the war scenes are are lovely the bellissimo they are oh i really really enjoyed and i was gripped by all of the kind of wartime action scenes in this film and then we have nicholas cage's men and they are pinned down they have people surrounding them and they look pretty fucked all of his other comrades are getting mowed down left right and center and he is left alone and then we cut to the native americans again learning code um these two native american gentlemen we will call them ben and charlie names they are given later um charlie actually has an amazing name which is like white house or white i think it's white horse not white house uh no that's where that dickhead orange bastard donald trump lives it's not white house it's white horse but they are learning code um which is the namesake of it they are the wind talkers they are they are they are using navajo like words for things to so the japanese don't know what is going on when they are speaking over the radio and then we cut back to nicholas cage now he is in the hospital and he is plagued by the war he's having visions of all the bad shit that went down and you can see clearly that his right no his left ear is pretty fucked um and he chats to a nurse and he says like are you gonna help me are you gonna like help me out because i am 
fucked here. And he eventually goes for a hearing test where the nurse does help him out. She helps him cheat so he can lie and pretend that he is ready to go back into the field and just kind of get some type of weird revenge and just carry on with what he's doing because he's a man who looks beaten down by war and the only way to get through it is to continue down into the quagmire the another layer of hell that is world war Two. there out in japan um alongside this test we see a test with the code breakers the uh code makers the wind talkers the native american chaps ben and charlie and they are the best in their class and then Nicky Cage old uh, his name in this is Joe Enders and uh, yeah I might refer to him sometimes as that I might refer to him sometimes as Ragey Cagey or Slippery Nick or whatever the fuck I want to it's my podcast um, he has to visit the major who gives him his mission and that mission is to escort one of the Native American gentlemen and protect a code at any cost he's that is made very clear that he is not to protect the gentleman as such. He is to protect the code. So if it is a life or death situation, if there is an ultimatum between the Native American gentleman dying or being like or being captured. No, if he's if he's gonna be captured by the enemy, he's gotta kill him because at the end of the day, the code cannot slip into enemy hands. It's it's the Enigma machine all over again, but this time it's not a little machine. It's a fucking human life, guys. Um, and he is then teamed up with Ben. Ben Garzi, his name is. And he is fucking cool. Um, I don't know the actor's name. Uh, like, literally just watched this film. Um, and I do little to no research because I'm a fucking idiot. But, yeah, he is a fucking wicked. Um, and then we get the Navajo gentleman on the bus. And they are being sent to the camp where Nicolas Cage is and also there is Christian Slater whose character's name is Ox he introduces himself to Joe and they're kind of like they both see that they've got a stripe and he's like oh what mission are you on and Joe is like I can't really say and he's like well I've got a feeling me and you are on the both uh, are both on the same mission we've been given the same orders Maybe you're supposed to look after one Navajo gentleman and I am to look after the other. And who'd have bloody thought it? Of course they are. <laughs> um, Joe is very weary of getting friendly with the Navajo gentleman. He tries to make a like pass to be his friend and introduce himself. Ben's like, hey, I guess we're going to be together. And he just fucks it up. Like He ends up spilling Joe's drink and then spilling his own drink on joe's dinner and he does not look like a happy bunny he's kind of looking off into the distance very listfully very very longingly he is a man who has been beaten down by war and feels pain deep inside his being and um yeah he's just had his lunch run so what a fucking idiot <laughs> and then we get that evening and there is a poker game and we are introduced to some more of the other troops in the party and they are kind of a rogue gallery of what's the word i'm looking for they are rogues gallery of 
stereotypes that is the one we have a classically like you have a lot in these types of films like the racist soldier who from this point in the film um it's probably a sports talk, but I knew from this moment, right, that guy is going to have his view changed. He is at some point going to be saved by one of these Navajo gentlemen, and he's going to be like, oh, you know what? All my prejudices and beliefs are, are wrong. I'm no longer a Neanderthal. I'm no longer this kind of archaic moron. I've learned the error of my ways because one of these guys has been nice to me and all these preconceived notions and all this kind of inherent family hatred I have for people who look different from me is just washed away. Um, Though this character is great, his name is Chick, he is great because I imagine he held, like, he kind of embodies a lot of the hatred that these people would have faced on a day-to-day basis. Um... And obviously, it would be wrong of them not to show that in this film. That obviously, it wasn't smooth sailing for Native American and like Navajo gentlemen in World War II. That they were not just up against an enemy in the way of the Japanese. They were also up against an enemy of American citizens who are can be arseholes. <laughs> There's one of them in power right now. Who does not look does not like anyone who looks any different to him. So it's good to see that the world has progressed, guys. Come on, let's sit Donald Trump down and get him to watch Wind Talkers. Maybe he can learn from Chick that people who look different are nice and lovely and might save you in a wartime like moment. So cutting some slack don't build no walls don't deport people just be nice to people because at the end of the day under that skin we're all the fucking same mate uh also at this poker game we have um kind of there's a lot of guys you don't really get to know their names but you kind of get like the sensitive type who's very much like longing for his family and his girlfriend and his wife and then we have um Another Greek, obviously, in um, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. It was littered with loads of people doing horrible Greek accents. And as a Greek man myself, uh, I was bitterly offended by uh, all of those horrible, vile accents. But in this, we have Bruce Banner, the hulky Hulk himself, Mark Ruffalo playing a Greek gentleman with a fantastic Freddie Mercury moustache, but just has an American accent because, you know what, he's probably like second generation, like Greek, and doesn't have to have a, hey, it's me, I'm a Greek man, what can I do for you? Hey, I'm a Mark Ruffalo, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stereotypical Greek man. No, he's got this, yeah, killer Mercury medical, Freddie Mercury tash, Mediferkery? What the fuck is that? Um, and he's there, and they're all playing a nice game of poker, and then you kind of see the racism from Chick, because a couple of guys leave the table, and then there is space for Ben and Charlie to join the game, and straight away, Chick is like, 
hey chief and he's like like ben is great about it because he's like oh how did you know how did you know i was the chief like he's like he's he's very cocksure probably not the right word but he's very confident and like takes it in his stride i imagine this is something he has put up with for many many a year and he's just there to do a job and he can't like chick can't understand that he's there he's one of them he's in the same barrel of shit but he's just gotta be an arsehole (laughs) then we get the next day and we get oh the second outing in this Nicolas cage journey from peter stromer who you may remember from eight millimeter as max velvet or something like that like dino velvet that was the one this he is a very much a different character he is a well he's supposed to be some type of like general or something like that but he has a very thick like swedish accent there are times in the film where he's referred to as the viking so i'm not sure whether he's meant to be like kind of a swedish immigrant who has managed to gain um american citizenship but it's not really explained but it doesn't really matter because it's pete stromer and he's fucking cool um, and he's like telling them like we're gonna take him we're going to the, we're going to this place we're gonna take him down we're going to the um the island of uh, Senpei, and we're gonna f- we're gonna fuck shit up. We're gonna we're gonna come in from the thingy. We're gonna we're gonna take the men down. Uh, like let's 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 fucking do this. He's g'ing them up, um, and then Joe has a series of flashbacks whilst this is going on. It's kind of a cool scene where it's kind of like intercut with the shadow of a fan spinning, and then he's just having these flashes of the like scene we had seen earlier of just kind of his men being mowed down and i imagine the the talk of them being shipped out again it's just bringing that all back that he's going back out onto the front line into the belly of the beast and then he runs out of the room and he's he's shook up and um ben follows him and they kind of have a talk like of why like he ends up asking ben like why are you here like and he's like because America is my country as well. Like, um, probably I have more of a stake to it than you do because um, people invaded and took over the land from the native people. You arsehole. <laughs> then we cut to a scene of a, like, beach party. It's like their big party before they're shipping out. All of the troops are having a, a whale of a time. Uh, looks pretty cool. It's like a kind of tiki bar on the beach. And um, they're singing sea shanties for some reason. Uh, Ox, Christian Slater's character, is playing the harmonica. And everyone is having a right old good time. And the nurse joins Joe for a drink. And they have a toast to the war. She instigates a toast to the war. He does not look that happy about it. Um, it's, yeah, it makes it makes total sense. Uh, he's probably like, no, this is this is pretty shit. Uh, and then we cut to Saipan, and it's this battle scene that is just fucking brutal. I kind of stopped taking notes because there's just so much to take in it was just it's just full-on it's like something out of like the cinematics from like a call of duty game or something like that but it's it was great like cage 
is a madman in this scene. He is literally there, just fucking mowing people down, shooting people, like, just, I, I, I have noted down that he shouldn't be there. He is so shell-shocked, and, like, he has got so, like, he is riddled with PTSD that he should not be there. He is just, like, anyone who comes up, he's just taking them down. Um, And he then has, like, he's, like, saying to Ben, like, come on, we need to call in, like, the Navy and, like, get to it and then they call in the navy and then like it really took it took me out of the film with this moment because we kind of get these horrible almost like stock footage national geographic footage of like like war boats and it just looked really grainy and horrible yeah, and it really took me out of the film and it was, it was really disappointing because this battle scene was fucking great um the warships take down a load of turrets and stuff like that there's like guy wielding a flamethrower he's blowing up tanks there's explosions all over the place um then we get like the evening they're piling away their dead like they're digging graves and the troops share why they're there and what they'll do when they go home and um you can see in some of them there's a lot of regret and remorse. Like Chick, though, is like, my, my dad was in the army. His dad before that. This is in my blood. I'm here to do this. Um, one of the other guys talks about like how he can't wait to be back in like Southern California where all the prettiest women are. And um, the Greek, um, Bruce Banner, Hulky Hulk, is talking about how he's going to make his millions when he gets back with a a fleet of taxis and then he's gonna go to Santorini a beautiful Greek island and build a villa and it sounds just like, just like a gives a real nice insight into these guys as people not just numbers and killing war machines um and then we see a like Navajo ritual that is done by uh Ben and Charlie and um Joe and Ox are like looking on kind of like speculating what they're up to and like they they kind of have a tender moment where they're talking about like could like ox ask joe like could you actually do it like like we've 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 come so far with these guys now like like we're we're in deep they're they're, they're good guys like could you actually if it were boiled down to it could you kill them just to protect the code um then the next morning, uh, Ben is washing in the lake and is confronted by Chick, who um, is just a real fucking piece of shit because he says to him, like, oh, I mistook you for, like, you just look like you could be a Jap- like a Japanese guy. I'm gonna, like, and then just starts laying the boots into him and they fight and they scuffle. Ben gets some good digs in. The troops look on and it is eventually split up. And... Um, even Joe says to him, he's like, yeah, next time you go for a bath, let me know, because you do look like a Japanese guy. And it's like, oh, man, like, you just want that exterior to be peeled away. Stop being such an asshole. But, like, by this point, I was definitely very invested in the film. Like, I thought at the beginning, I was, like, oh, this is going a bit slow, but by now, I am into these characters. I care about Joe. I care about 
Ben. I care about Charlie Ox, the Greek. Even Chick, that fucking Greek. Because I found myself hating him. So, definitely, John Woo, you know what to do when it comes to a movie. I love Face Off. And so far, I've been loving this. Um, Ben explains to Joe, like, the ceremony he was doing, saying that, like... That is to protect me. He's like, yesterday, I uh, I kind of hesitated when a man held a gun to my face, but that won't happen again. And um, kind of, Joe dismisses it by like, oh, just because your friend rubbed a bit of ash on you, you won't, you, you won't, you won't hesitate again. He's like, yeah, I will, because their traditions passed down through generations, and there's something I believe in. These are my beliefs. Um. And then we get an amazing scene of um, a kind of the blending of cultures, the native with the kind of like modern American man when Ox and Charlie have a little jam, like Charlie with his mouth organ and um, I know Ox with his mouth organ and Charlie with a kind of like Native American Navajo flute. And, like, at first, like, Charlie's like, I don't think it'll work. And they make some beautiful music together. And I said at the beginning, this is not like Captain Corelli's mandolin. There is no romance subplot. Well, I think there is. There is this lovely melding together of cultures, a kind of forbidden love. Is it? It's a will-they-won't-they between Ben and Joe. It's a will-they-won't-they. Between Ox and Charlie. And it's really heating up. It's really getting a bit steamy. Spicy. Um, Then we get the first of the nurses sending letters to Joe, And um, she talks like... it's They're really fucking weird. Because she like... I don't know. The way they they were recorded. There's a lot of like echo and reverb. It almost sounds like a voice from beyond. She sounds dead. Sound quite weird, and again, it takes you out of it. But it's a, it was a moment I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Um, then we get like they're all moving on to the next like station post, and Ben is writing letters to his son. And Joe's like, "I told you, you can't write any fucking letters. We can't can't post them out. Nobody's supposed to know you're here. Like they will, if they see that the letters are going to a reserve, then." The Japanese will cotton on that we are using like Navajo, Native American speak over the radio. So none of that. And it's like, well, I just was actually hoping my son could read these letters when I get home. And then it spurs Ben on to kind of talk about his son. He's sharing around a photo and everyone's having a real good, lovely time. But just when you think you can relax and things are getting lovely and nice things fucking pop off guns are fucking blowing off there's explosions we're back in the thick of it and it we it turns out that they are actually being shot by their own men there is either another like battalion out there or something but they are being shot by their own men ben's radio goes down so they can't even call in to say hey guys stop fucking shooting us uh and then the only way they can do it is they're like pushing on and ben has taken on what both joe and chick have said and he's like 
maybe I do look like, maybe I do look Japanese. Maybe if I wear one of their outfits and sneak into their base, we can use their radio. So a plan is formed. And Joe, you kind of see that he's starting to like care about Ben because like, I'll go with you. You pretend I'm a prisoner and we can take him out that way. Um, so they sneak into the sneak into the base. He's kind of shit's popping off. Like Ben's getting Ben's getting nervous. But like Joe says to him, like this is like the word for prisoner in Japanese. Use it. That's all you need to say. And then they sneak in, and Joe's getting a kick in from all the Japanese troops and stuff like that. And then he fucking pops off, rambo's it, takes out a load of men. They bundle into the base where the radio is like there's bayonets all over the place like ben's taking guys out he's bayoneting guys it's fucking it's great it's <laughs> it's nuts i don't know it's almost like there i, I see myself as a very like left-wing person but there's nothing like like i, I saw i saw recently a nish kumar like stand-up um routine where he said that like you can't like right wing is like you gotta have right wing action films in a way because because if it's all if it's all lovely and left wing um i don't know you kind of need that do you know what i mean uh, uh yeah you need to grit and just fucking let's just throw it all out and just kill some motherfuckers it's great <laughs> but they manage to get to the radio call off the shots and then tell the gunners where to shoot and they fuck some shit up the next day um well it's later on that day there's not really the passing of time is not really established but enders um joe uh slippery neck is like out of nowhere some kind of big swinging dick um admiral or general i don't know who the fuck he is he just gets off of uh, like a truck and he's like i heard you did some good work out there boy uh you're gonna be commended for this and he gives him like a medal of honor and um he tries to like say like yeah joe tries to say to him like i couldn't have done it without um like ben Benghazi over there and uh the guy's like perplexed he's like what the the indian he's like well no he's a he's a navajo like it's not an indian um but it again shows the kind of ignorance and prejudice that the American people held against the indigenous people of that land. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's baffling, but obviously it's not surprising one bit. Um, Joe then gets shit-faced on Saki. He's just, like, fucking tanking it back, and Ben, like, comes to see him and he's like why are you doing this like why are you just getting fucking rat assed <laughs> and like he's like you got a medal like you must be proud and he's like i don't really care about medals like the last time i got a medal like was because all my men died and they all got medals because they died he's like i would happily i, I threw that one in the river i'd happily throw this one in the sea as well like i do not give a shit about it and um Whilst Joe sleeps, Ben performs some kind of Navajo ceremony um, on him and he's caught and then like kind of when he goes back to sleep he sprinkles some like ash over him and 
he's kind of blessing him, I believe, in some kind of like trying to soothe his soul and get him get him out of the funk he is in. Um then the next day you kind of get another scene of the troops just kind of having a nice old time and getting along and then we get a another letter again real fucking creepy just as they're like pulling into this kind of quaint japanese village kind of in the middle of nowhere um yeah you get this yeah just creepy letter saying i miss you i hope i hope hope you're getting my letters it'd be really nice to to hear from you joe like i don't know what you're doing like hope you're well it seems like the war is going well hopefully we are near the end um in the Japanese village, though, we kind of get a sign of Joe's tender side as he helps a little kid who's got a sore eye. And the um, the nurse, before he'd left, had given him these pain pills and he gives them all over to this kid to help. And the kid calls him uncle. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a nice, a nice scene. And then we see Joe draw a church in a load of flour on a table which is pretty weird (laughs) and then him and ben talk about their pasts and joe is surprised to find out that ben was actually raised a catholic he's obviously assumed that he would have been brought up um some type of just 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 through navajo traditions and stuff like that and they talk about how their their them growing up was very different whereas like Joe's memories of Catholicism and being like in the church were kind of good. He remembers like his confirmation and stuff like that, and it's a nice time he had. Whereas um, Ben had like a bad time. He was kind of punished for speaking uh, Navajo and chained to a radiator and stuff like that. And (laughs) it's kind of lines like, "Well, they're letting you speak it now, so (laughs) be happy about it." Um, And then out of there joe like is called to see old pete stromer and uh he's like i just want to fucking get out of here like petey boy viking i don't want to be here anymore i just want to go home like my job here is done like i can't do this anymore i just want to really go home and then out of nowhere the japanese attack and again we just get this kind of brutal like city siege shit is popping off left right and center again like my notes go very thin here but like people are just getting mowed down um ox ends up getting his head cut off whilst protecting uh charlie and charlie saves chick by throwing like a knife which chick like this is the moment this is the moment of his prejudices just washing away from him because he is like oh oh a navajo has saved me like how could i think such a wow that's that's fucking crazy how could someone who has different skin to me or look vaguely different to me or or not just be a redneck fucking idiot like actually be fighting on the same side as me <laughs> and charlie then is getting captured by the Japanese troops and Joe is left with a quandary he's run out of bullets so can't take out the guys he's only left with a grenade and him and Charlie share a glance and Charlie nods at him as to say do it this is the only way the code will stay safe 
and Joe. You can tell against his own will, but for the good of following orders, even though it may create a rift between him and Ben, does it? Charlie's dead. He's blown up in the um, grenade blast. And it's a real emotional, tender scene because, like, you know that Joe doesn't, like, I don't know, he doesn't want to do this, but, like, obviously, he's a man torn between doing what is right and doing what is right, if that makes sense, um, doing what is morally right and what is right by the word of the higher-ups and the higher-end commands and stuff like that, and following orders, or, yeah, kind of doing what, doing what is right by a man, but obviously... His life probably would have been made hell anyway if he had been captured and tortured because they have cottoned on that he's special because Ox had given up his life to protect him and that, like, the uh, the Japanese wanted to take him. Um, ben and Joe end up having fisticuffs because, obviously, Ben is fucking pissed off that Joe killed him. He's kind of deadpan, says, yeah, he's over there. I did it. I threw a grenade at him and he's like oh I guess and it like his argument Joe's argument is I was just following orders and um in reference to something that he had said earlier when he was drinking the sake he said like I just I followed like Ben reassures him that he's a good guy like those guys died because like what he couldn't have done anything different and he says, like, he was like, you were just following orders. And um, he said, I was a damn good fucking Marine. And Ben repeats that back to him here. But very cutting because all of, like, I don't know. It's like now that it affects him, though, that following orders is not a good idea. It's it's, it's very it's very difficult. It's, <laughs> um, but then we get the Viking, Pete Stromer. It explains their plan of where they are going next and there is one last area to attack they have to head up into the mountains to take on the japanese troops and he wants ben up front i'm not sure if some type of like sinister move on his part like some kind of prejudice or racism in the way of the viking or pete stromer um but obviously Joe seems okay with it because they've had a lover's tiff. We're very much on a will they, won't they here. Like, are they going to get back together? Are things going to be great? Are they going to be fine? Are they going to be dandy? Um, They set up on their way up the mountains and then realise, fuck, we are in the middle of a minefield. You can see the beads of sweat running down their faces um, throughout their kind of quest, as it were. The Greek old Bruce Banner, the Hulk, has um, kind of suffered with anxiety attacks and kind of breathing heavy and uh, hyperventilating all the time. And um, he's like, fuck this shit, I do not want to die, which is a very, very reasonable response. Very horrible fucking situation. Um, send, like chick they're like you, you you take the lead and then fucking big balls ben Garzi pushes his way through like i'm gonna fucking do this and then bang out of nowhere there is 
gunfire, people blowing up, mines going off. Like, genuinely, this film follows a pretty, like, similar pattern. There's kind of bang, 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 quiet, 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 bang, 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 quiet, quiet, all quite emotional, like, touching moment people giving an insight into bearing their souls to the rest of the truth bang 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 halfway through and this is another one of those moments but literally everyone is fucking mowed down all you are left with is the racist the greek the navajo and nicholas cage it sounds like a fucking terrible bad joke doesn't it it sounds like a kind of like i don't know a greek a racist um a Native American and Nicolas Cage walk into a bar. Um, I haven't thought about what the rest of that joke could be, but it sounds very much like the premise for a terrible joke. And probably it's going to be offensive, isn't it? It's going to be a kind of Bernard Manning style. Let's just offend all bases, even though it's not specified that any of them are women. It would probably be misogynist and sexist and just horrible to everyone. Um, And then they need a radio because ben again has dropped his and they are held down they've been shot at and they're like joe's like that's it nobody else is going to die we're gonna i'm gonna get that radio you guys cover me he's going out there like him and ben are taking people out he's saying like joe saves ben and uh like it's just fucking it's it's emotional it's tough stuff um but in the process of joe saving ben he's shot and um ben makes the call for air support and just before air support turns up joe fades away and dies and then we kind of get um the last moments of this film is Ben back at home in the Arizona canyon with his family upon a rock, kind of doing some form of ceremony to honour the life of Joe. And uh, Ben says to his son, if you ever tell a story about him, say he was my friend. Um, And then the camera like pans out in the same way that it kind of began over the vastness of Arizona canyons. And then that is it. The ultimate sacrifice and has been made for a man of a different colour of skin to his own. He says, um, I enjoyed this film. It's, uh, I don't know. I've only, as I said, I've only just watched it. And like, it was good. It obviously, as I as I pointed out, it has its kind of flaws, as in like it's kind of a very like cut and paste plot throughout. Like it's kind of, as I said, like you get you get the moments of tenderness and then straight in bang, like war, 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 war. I thought Nicolas Cage was great in this. He played like someone who, obviously at the time, like PTSD in World War Two wasn't really a thing. I believe they called it like shell shock or whatever. Like, but mental health and stuff like that in the way of war wasn't something but he played that role great it was uh very different to his role in captain Crazy mandolin and that's a good thing because this film was i don't know a lot more serious and like it had that bing bang boom action 
that you kind of want from like a war film and had a really nice message a kind of message that like is still to this day feels quite poignant especially in the turbulent times that america are living in at the moment in regards to race relations and stuff like that so yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it now it's to find out what what those what those silly fucking idiots on the internet thought with the scores and um before i get to the scores as well i'm sorry to say that anagram hunters anagram like i thoroughly disagree with that right now at this point in his career nicholas cage is not a d-list wanker at all he is very much flying high in the winds with the talkers i don't know why i sounded a bit like in the winds with the talkers i kind of had the cadence of christopher walken there um but yeah no as great as that anagram is, it's not right. He is there. He is very much in the A-list. So, Wind Talkers and the scores that we have this week. We have IMDb, 6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 33%. And my old boy, Roger Raj Ebert, gave this film 2 out of 4. Um... So, yeah, uh, people didn't really like this film. It kind of had a middling review from Roger Ebert. 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty bad, isn't it? That's, that's pretty bad. And, I don't know, 6? Six, 6 six out of 10? That's 60%. That's all right, isn't it? I've seen a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse. It's rated better. Um, But, yeah, that is what the internet thought about it. Again, that is another great thing of me not going into these films, not knowing any prior knowledge. Because if I had maybe known the scores, I could have went in there like expecting, oh, like it's going to be shit, 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 and like kind of just looking for the flaws. But I just went in blind to it, and I was I was surprised. It was it was it was good. Like I'm not, I'm. It's not really my type of film. Not I don't really seek out like these kind of war films like never i've never been one for like oh band of brothers oh fucking hell yeah. i find i find call of duty pretty boring um yeah i never like i don't know some people like i've seen saving private ryan but some people again are like oh saving private ryan yeah fucking yeah, watch it watch it every month mate it's fucking great like shooting some fucking geezers and stuff like that. i'm not not about that life um it's not me so um that is, yeah, that is Wind Talkers. And next week, what the fuck will we be talking about then? So, next week will be 19, no, <laughs> 2002 again. It will be Adaptation. Um, I have a very special guest for that episode, who is um a guy... um. I've never mentioned before, um, but yeah, he's a guy called Perry, he's very interesting, and uh, me and him kind of have very different opinions on stuff, so it'll be, it'll be great to sit down and talk to him, um, so yeah, that will either be, I'm not sure whether that will be next week's one, because December is rolling on, and I kind of want to do some fun 
Christmassy, not like canon episodes, not 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 rolling on like last week's with the alternative commentary. I have a few other things planned, but the next one in the like chronological order of things will be adaptation. And as I said, I'll be joined by a guest called Perry. Um, his surname will be revealed at the time. That's if he wants to give it. As I said, he, he can be quite a difficult guy. Um, so, as I always say, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or like, yeah. And tell a friend. Please tell a friend, family member, just someone. Like, give us a shout out. Like, retweet or whatever. Like, just have, let's have a chat on social media as well. All of that is at Caged in Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I will I will have a little chat with you or just drop me an email which is cagedinpod at gmail.com or you can kind of get all of that stuff. I should probably just give the website because that's got everything on there. That's got links to all the social media. That's got like a contact page and stuff like that and that is cagedinpodcast.com. Simple as that. I'm not going to fucking worry about the www because I've said it anyway but you know, you know, you know how to you know that, that that's implied you know what to do guys um but yeah go out there listen to other podcasts rate review all all of them have fun um so as always this podcast has been brought to you by cigarettes a lack of sleep and poor decision making in deciding to watch every single nicholas cage film i've been your host petros pat syllabus i've been caged in you have been listening to this on headphones or maybe not on a speaker or on the phone speaker or whatever, however you listen to a podcast. You've also been rad. So, bye! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.